What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is two guys, five movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Casper. This is Frank Pelican. You are listening to one of the last Quick Cages ever. And Frank, which uh, Quick Nick Cage movie are you going to uh, tell us about tonight? So tonight we're going to talk about the 2010 YA uh, Magic Slogfest, The Sorcerer's uh, Apprentice, yeah. um, directed by John Turtletob, um, starring also uh, Jay... Baruchel, I think is how you say his last name. Um, Alfred Molina and Monica Bellucci. Um, so this is one of those movies that I watched, I don't know, a million years, maybe. Like who knows, like time. It's like a year anymore. ago, I think. <laughs> it might have been longer than that. It's been a, it's been a minute since I watched this movie. Um and I didn't really want to talk about it because it's not that interesting, but I started thinking about it today when I was trying to hype myself up to just get it the fuck out of the way. Um, and I was thinking like 2010 is really the last gasp of the fantasy, like tweener epic movie, basically. So 2011 is the second part of the Deathly Hollows, right? So at this point in 2010, everyone knows that Harry Potter is coming to its end. And I think all these studios are thinking like, you know what? This is our chance. Like we can hop on and start the new hot young adult teen franchise involving like fantastical elements and propel ourselves into the next decade of, you know, serial success or whatever. Um, All of them failed. Interestingly enough, hunger games didn't, Well, Hunger Games, I don't really consider to be, like, magical, really. Hunger Games is more um, dystopian, whatever. So, Um, so, okay, so Percy Jackson fails. Yeah, Percy Percy Jackson and Lightning Thief is 2010. Okay. This movie is 2010. Mm -hmm. And the live-action adaptation of The Last Airbender, um, the Shyamalan uh, disaster, is also 2010. So Mm -hmm. all three of these movies that are geared towards... 10 to 13 year old audience mostly and then like trying to also pick up on the coattails of the people that enjoy like the harry potter franchise which at this point these people are you know in their 20s or so or like in our case in our 30s um and none of them succeed i'm trying to think Um, of like since then i think you're right because it's like things like what i don't know if that's maybe that's not magical but um the mage runner fails i think overall um, that's why a uh, Mrs. Peregrine's so, um, ends up not being a success. Um, Mrs. Peregrine's, I think, is more in the line of like this shit. I, yeah. I, I look at Maze Runner and also um, the fuck is that um, your wife is into him. Um, Artemis Fowl last year? No, no, no. Oh. His his Dark Materials, right? Like, oh, she's not that into it. But yeah, I mean, she's she's read those things. Like, well, that stuff yeah. fails. Then the Golden Compass shit. Yeah, fails. Golden Compass is a few years before this, right? Well, there's another one, isn't there? That's after this. I don't think so. 
Mm, I thought I don't, I don't think they ever made a sequel. I think Golden Compass failed. Um, there's sure. also stuff that takes there's place. There's a TV between... show that is out now. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, Which I've never is supposedly watched. pretty good, actually. I've heard. But, uh... I watched like 15 minutes of it the night that it premiered on. Um, it's on HBO, right? Yeah. It's on something yep. that I get yep. streaming. Mm-hmm. And um, the CGI was just a little off enough where I was just kind of bored with it and I didn't really feel like watching it. I mean, there's stuff before Harry Potter, early during the Harry Potter run. So Narnia stuff, which was successful, and then um, some other stuff like Dagon or whatever the fuck that. Ar- Aragon? Aragon is what Aragon, it's yeah, it was like, yeah, like, oh, Dagon is the yeah. fucking Cthulhu partner, um, which would be a really interesting way. <laughs> um, so all these movies fall short of like, you know, whatever, like the whole universe that Harry Potter built. And some of them, I think the Percy Jackson books are pretty popular with YA readers, I think, and were at the time. And those movies just failed because they failed to understand what was good about the books and they just tried to make like, they're terrible. I don't know. I've, I've seen both of those movies. They're both really bad. Um, and The Last Airbender is just the most tone-deaf adaptation of something that misses everything that's great. Um, because I, I, you and I have talked about this before, like, off-air, but I'm a huge fan of both of the Avatar animated series. I think they're, like, phenomenal storytelling for 22-minute animated mm-hmm. episodes, um, especially the first series, the Ang, The Last Avatar. Um, just amazing, like television, and then the movie is just so bad, like one of the worst, almost laughably bad, but it's so insulting that you can't really laugh. It's just kind of, I don't know, like getting slowly stabbed in the nuts with like toothpicks, maybe kind of bad. <clears throat> so, in the midst of all this mess, is the Sorcerer's Apprentice, um, which is a cash grab in multiple ways. So. First of all, it's trying to parlay the success of the National Treasure series by reuniting Turtle Tab and Cage um, together in like a family friendly action ish movie. Um, second, it's kind of like their, I don't know, their idea that everything Disney can just be made into a film property, um, which I think is kind of a lingering after effect of the Pirates of the Caribbean series. Where so the Sorcerer's Apprentice is legitimately based on the um, and when I say based, I mean like very loosely, like almost no connection, um, to the short in Fantasia, um, with Mickey and the brooms and or the mops and buckets Uh and shit, right? Yeah, yeah. um, which is a pivotal scene in this movie, I might add, but we'll get to that. Oh my god! Right. I, I didn't even think these these things were even close to be connected. Now I'm fascinated. Yeah, it's it, it's considered an adaptation of it. Or it's Are you serious? It. Oh yeah. How? Let me see. Let me see what Wikipedia's exact wording is. Merlin, there's nothing. Like, um, there's nothing about Merlin like in the fucking Sorcerer's Apprentice. Like it was just a damn musical short. Well, I'd say okay. It says it's named after um, the scene, but that does happen. So. Here's the broad strokes of this fucking movie. Um, so well in the past, like during Arthurian times, um, Merlin has these three protégés that he's trying to um, teach to like be as powerful as him. Uh, so he gets betrayed, obviously, by one of them. Um, and the person that is there to save him is Nick Cage, who plays Balthazar. Um, so Balthazar basically sacrifices the love of his life to stop Morgan Le Fay from killing Merlin. Huh. 
and then traps them in this Russian nesting doll that's like this horse cage, basically, that keeps them in there. So then over the course of time, Cage starts to trap all of these, like, fallen apprentices that are under the sway of Morgan Le Fay until finally him and Alfred Molina um, get trapped together. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So he does this over time and then ends up in New York city, like 10 years prior to the actual events of this movie, um, running a curio shop where he's looking for, and I'm going to say this and I want you to not laugh because this is, a phrase is repeated often in this movie and is very serious in this movie. He's looking for the person that's known as the prime Merlinian who is the prophesized inheritor of Merlin's power. That is the only one that can truly destroy Morgan Le Fay and stop evil magic from taking over the world. So you have to hear the term prime Merlinian, like wow. said with straight faces, like for the hour and 40 minutes of this movie. That's, because that's Dave, Dave, who's the protagonist of this movie, his name's Dave. Um, huh. Yeah, Dave. Um, he's 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 a prime millennial. Spoiler alert. Um, so Dave is on a field trip at a museum and wanders. Number one, Dave is a a dick. So Dave wanders away from his museum field trip group and goes into this curio shop, and creepy ass like thousand year old nicholas cage is like uh hey buddy put on this ring so or no he gives him this like totem or something that's like a dragon totem and as soon as dave touches it it like coils around his finger and becomes this ring and nick cage is like oh well you're the prime merlinian you can use magic um so he's like i need you to hold on a second i'm gonna go get this big book that teaches you all about magic now mind you this is like a 10 year old kid who's away from you know his whatever responsible elders like wandering this creepy ass sort of like the beginning of never-ending story but a lot less wholesome Mm. um so asshole dave like knocks over this thing that's containing um horvac i think or horvath is the name of uh, molina's character um who's the evil wizard so him and cage start battling each other and they end up getting locked in this thing that's a 10-year prison. So they're going to be stuck there for 10 years. So Dave runs away and tells like everybody, like, hey, man, I just saw all this magic in this shop. But when everybody goes back there, there's nothing there anymore. And everyone makes fun of him and bullies him. And his parents send him to a psychiatrist who says that he is, like, hallucinating or something. Like Basically, everybody just shits all over this kid for, like, one thing that he said. <clears throat> and it basically ruins his life. So it pushes him into being all into science and stuff because he's never going to believe in magic again. <clears throat> so then 10 years later, obviously, the curse is over and Nick Cage and um, Alfred Molina break out of their prison. Um, so then the whole point is that Cage is trying to keep the nesting dolls away from Molina because he doesn't want LeFay to get released while still trying to find Dave to teach him magic. So... Dave's like, no, man, like he comes up and like, I can't remember second school or something. And Dave's like, no, man, you ruined my life. And then like the next thing he's like, yeah, like I'm down to learn about magic. So then there's this love interest thing with this chick that Dave's into. And um, Nick Cage is like, it's basically kind of like um, Buffy in a way where Nick Cage is the the Giles equivalent. And he's like, you can't fuck nothing because then you won't learn about magic. And Dave's like, but I'm 20. I want to fuck everything. 
And Nick Cage is like, mm, all right, maybe. Um, so he has the ring because he gets it. I, I can't remember if he gets it back or he already has it. But anyway, um, his house is all messed up and he's invited his girlfriend over to hang out. So he uses the magic to bring all the, all of his cleaning supplies to life and they fucking wreck the place and he can't get them to turn off. So he has to like cancel his date with her. But in the end, that doesn't matter because she's still into him. Um, so eventually like all these evil wizards start getting released from these prisons. Um, you know, because whatever, like that's, what's advanced in the plot. Um, and Dave is like this like badass wizard super early because he's got the power of the prime Merlinian like coursing through him. So, um, he beats the first guy and then the second guy is this like goth, like rocker kind of guy. And then they beat him. Um, but then finally Molina kidnaps the girlfriend and Dave, like they, they let Morgan Le Fay out. And so Dave gives up his ring, um, to get his girlfriend back. So then Le is going to kill him. And I'm skipping over a whole lot of fucking like just dross fucking thank, plot thank elements you. here. Yeah. Um, so then Le Fay like channels her energy at Dave, but because Dave is the true prime Merlinian, He's the only magician on the planet that doesn't need a ring to focus his energy. So he's just like, it, it's it's basically like the ending to the Matrix. So I guess this movie is like kind of the ending to a whole bunch of different things, like crammed together, just, just make you try and feel something. Um, so he's able to disrupt Morgan Le Fay's um, powers. And there's a Tesla coil involved. But I can't remember. He's like, he's into science. So he has all these like in his like studio apartment in New York city. That's like super spacious and high ceilings. And he's like a struggling like college student. He has all these Tesla coils set up. Cause that makes sense. So, Oh, Oh, Oh my God. I forgot. So one of the best, best fucking scenes in the movie. And I say this like with all irony is um in order to romance his girlfriend, he plays a one direction song using the Tesla coils as his instrument. Dear God. Right. It's fucking amazing. At some point, you need to watch, watch see if you can find that scene. Um, it's probably the video to that song, I would imagine. But anyway, so, um, so they knock out Alfred Molina and then he's fighting Morgan Le Fay. But Morgan Le Fay is like super powerful and throwing all this like evil energy at people. So Balthazar jumps in front of this energy bolt that's like aimed at, um, Dave's girlfriend and dies. Um, so this like whatever, like levels Dave up, like he goes like, I don't know, like super Merlinian and um turns all of the lamp posts into Tesla coils and basically uses it to like push down Morgan LeFay's energy. <clears throat> oh, and Morgan LeFay had absorbed the soul of Balthazar's girlfriend. Um so she gets free, I guess. And they beat Morgan LeFay. And then um, Dave uses his newfound like superpowers to bring Balthazar back to life um, in order to star in the uh, never realized sequel that I'm assuming Disney thought would come out of this movie. Um, and then in the coda to the movie, you see um, Horvath like picking up his bowler off the ground and walking away. So he was still alive too. So then you could 
whatever again like the idea i think was to spin this into some um multi-picture series and it's funny because it made a relatively decent amount of money um it was like 220 million box office <coughs> i think it was like 160 million dollar budget or something let me look um um so i'm i'm I, as you're talking i'm watching the one direction scene i've been sitting here watching it it's awesome right it is um it's 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 cringy um what what but i didn't know that was a one direction song um i think, I think it's one direction right is that I, I, don't, I don't i don't know oh i mean that is a band um one republic one republic sorry okay one republic i didn't i don't even know who one republic is i, I only know that song from um uh a joke scene in um 30 rock so um it's like uh during like a uh, tracy's wife's uh, uh reality tv series like they play it over top of like like a scene like for oh intent. they're the fucking counting stars people i don't know mm. what that means i don't know what that means either but yeah so when i worked for um when I worked for the one warehouse in like 2014, 2015, um, we had the. <laughs> we... Okay, sorry. You said the one warehouse. And it's like we're talking about One Direction, One Republic. And I thought, I was like, the one warehouse? Like, what is yeah, right. that? Like, <laughs> when, when I, when I worked The one warehouse is where all these fucking bands are produced right. that have one at the beginning. <laughs> right. They're in, they're in, they're in section C19. Um, when I worked at CNS in like yeah. 2014, 2015, uh-huh. um, we had piped in music throughout the warehouse and it was like the most pablum, like radio friendly shit. And actually, like some of it wasn't bad because they would have like periods of time where it was like 80s music and then you'd get like 90s and then it would be like modern, whatever. Um, so Counting Stars, which is one of one of their songs, um, was fucking omnipresent on that thing. Like every night you would hear Counting Stars. If you heard it, you would probably know it. Yeah, I'd imagine. I don't know. I'm sure that we've heard it at the bar at some point in our lives. Um. So yes, yeah, two two hundred fifteen. Um, and it, the budget's like one sixty, right? Uh, for some reason, it looks like it's hiding the budget on me here. Um, do I have to go to a different website for this? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on the One Republic Wikipedia page now. <laughs> uh, budget budget's hundred and fifty million. Okay, so yeah, it doesn't doesn't do great. It was listed on in Parade, Parade magazine as um uh the number one film on their list of biggest flops, box office flops of um 2010. That's crazy. I can't imagine that that's not um the last Airbender movie. Um, and plus it, it scored a B plus on an audience grade from Cinema Score. Hmm. Um. Oh, so Eber, anyway, Eber, Eber, oh, Eber was still alive and reviewed this two and a half stars. Much Eber. better than much better than the last Airbender, which is faint praise. <laughs> right, he's right. Um, so it's weird, Cage. Like this is a time period where um he's doing shit like Outlander and um the last Witch Hunter, whatever the fuck that movie was called. You know, like all these like. Maybe that's the Vin Diesel movie. Whatever the movie he does with Ron Perlman is about the witch. Um, so he's trying to affect this like 
<sighs> it's like David Copperfield meets um, Robert Smith, maybe from The Cure, by way of Snuffleupagus, I guess, kind of. So it's kind of like he's got this like boho grungy look going on. Um, but you know, like doing magic tricks, but also talking like this the whole time. Um, it's just not a good performance really. And very, it, it, the movie is so fucking boring for supposedly trying to like kickstart this whole franchise. I mean, it's just not, it, it's just not well acted. Um, Molina, I think is probably the bright spot in it. Just because I think that Alfred Molina is always going to be somewhat watchable in like anything he does, yeah. um, even abject failures. Like he's my favorite part of Spider-Man too. As much as that movie's awful, um, there's just a couple times with him where it's like, oh, well, this is like what a real actor looks like in a film. Um, but yeah, nothing to recommend on it. And again, like super happy that this kind of like squashed the the magical teen like subgenre of films even though like i guess those grindelwald's guides to fantastic beasts whatever the fuck those movies are called like have made decent money um i don't know like just let harry potter be harry potter there's no need to try and rehash that shit so yeah i don't know it's just there sounds awful i mean it's not like it's by far not the worst movie we've ever sure talked about on it just podcast. sounds yeah but it's nothing that like I mean, I genuinely enjoy the first National Treasure, and I think the second National Treasure is a much lamer version of the first one in a lot of ways. And this is like everything that's lame about the second National Treasure in a different genre, but even more lame, kind of. I mean, like, seriously, fucking like shoehorning that scene where he's like animating the fucking mops and buckets and stuff to try and clean his house. You should watch that scene on YouTube. That shit's um, painful to watch. Um, just and really, the only reason for that scene to exist is just so it can have like a tangential link to um, the Fantasia short. Yeah, look between Prime Merlinian, um, that Tesla coil scene, and signing, getting my mom like talking her through signing up for HBO Max tonight. I'm I'm spent. I can't like watch any more of this movie. Um, what's your what what's your score on this movie and, and his performance? Uh, I'll give them both a four and a half. Um, again, it, it's not watchable necessarily, but it's not like unwatchable. What's your um, what's your grade on Jay Abruzzol or whatever the fuck his performance? What's the grade for like? I don't know. Like when you're watching a cutscene on a video game and like it's like 2004, mm-hmm. and you got that uncanny valley shit happening where it's like you're kind of watching a person, but there's enough like dissidents yeah. there where it doesn't really feel like a real like human like that 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 pretty much sums it up i'll give him like so like right re- i'll give him like resident evil 4 cutscene that's his so, so, so like rami malik and until dawn or something like that have you ever played that game no i hate those games or i hate the idea of those games hmm. you'll never eh, no i know what you're talking about i don't care gotcha all right i have i have i have two things um okay 
I think we've already done this, but I, I, indulge me again since this is the last time this motherfucker will ever come up. Um, Turtle Talk. I think we we did this exercise. What's Turtle Talk's best movie? Is it National Treasure? I guess it's got to be right. I mean, like, like, like I mean, while you were sleeping, you're I mean, always making me look up goddamn John Turtle Talk every time we <laughs> talk about this fuck. You know what's funny is like you pull up his Wikipedia page, but do you have his Wikipedia page up? Yeah. If you look at that picture, yeah, yeah, tell me about there's the me there's what? almost nothing he can be called other than Turtle Tob. Like he <laughs> looks like an absolute Turtle Tob in that picture. Like he's kind of put out, and his receding hairline sort of gives him that like lean amphibian style look um, with his like flat little like beaky mouth and look. If this guy was uh, was like this guy looks like he should be wearing like a top hat. Um, and should have like be like a an accountant for boss tweet like that's what this yeah, dude looks like yeah that's that, he he looks like some low level like like he's um he looks like he would be just mean and cruel enough in his personal this picture is not to this guy any justice uh, he looks like he'd be just mean enough to right, work looks- work for a city boss yeah, um well, and beat his wife i um, i don't know i i, I prefer my amphibian analogy because his narrow eyes looks like he's about to eat a fish or something like there's one like squiggling off screen uh i'm sure he's a good guy um i mean yeah maybe maybe it's a, it's, it's a ba- it's a bad it's a bad list it's a bad list of movies although let me i'll tell you this um the meg movie yeah um is phenomenally entertaining for not being a good movie at all sure like it's it almost feels like it's a parody and it's purposefully bad just to be entertaining so that actually might be his most watchable movie yeah i don't watch any like the only things i think i've ever actually watched i have to go through the list um purposely watched with Jason Statham in it is the Expendable movies. You didn't watch um, fuck. What's that movie called where he has to keep shocking himself? To stay crank alive? is that crank? Yeah. No, yeah, I, that's, never, that's, I never that's watched. An, it's an enjoyable movie. No, I think that's actually like between the transporter and that, like, and hearing everybody like talk about like what a fun fucking action star he is and all that kind of stuff. It's it's. I'm just like, no, I I don't I don't want to deal with this. I mean, but that's. Like, I understand that, but it's one of those things where, look, there's no good transporter movie, but there's also no terrible transporter movie. Like, they're all exactly, there's no subtlety or nuance in any Jason Statham movie. It's exactly what the poster and the title says that it's going to be. Sure. There's no subtlety or nuance in those expendable movies either, so I think I got it. Like, I think I'm sure. Like, I I, I also think I held against him, too, that, like, he was in he played Frankenstein in the Death Race remake. And like when that happened, and I've also always held against him that he played Parker. Like he was cast as Parker in the um Westlake adaptations, the Parker stuff. Like, and fuck that. Terrible. Have I seen have I seen those? I think you saw the Death Race movie, you told me. Uh, like, oh no, the- no, I mean the Parker ones. Oh, it's only one movie because it failed so spectacularly that I don't think they made another one. Um, 
I don't. Taylor, I didn't. Taylor Hackford directed it. Um, um, who's like him, com- who's in, who's confident? In him, but he's only done one movie since that Parker movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Statham is just Statham. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. he he's a man that's taken like his he's particular a, his particular yeah. skill set and translated into the exact right roles for himself like yeah i ever absolutely i i have nothing against the dude personally or anything like that i just don't need to care about his movies like i'll I'll be honest with you like i've enjoyed his movies more than i've not yeah just from the sense of like i'm gonna sit here and not think okay for an hour that's that's enjoyable sometimes yeah I, i just yeah just not for me um his name is deckard shaw in the Fast and the Furious movies. He's the Shaw of Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, yeah, I see that now. He... Right. Yeah, that makes some sense, <laughs> I guess. Uh, is that was that your thing that you have no, no knowledge of that you said? I've seen that... the first one and Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift, the third one, right? Yeah. I, is it? I don't know. Yeah, I've seen the first two, but I've never seen Tokyo Drift. I haven't seen anything since then except for previews. Um so, um, all right. So my second thing, and this is going to be maybe be really controversial. Can you pull up Alfred Molina and go through his filmography for me? Yeah, we do this every time because I always say I like Alfred Molina. Oh no, I, I don't have a problem with you liking Alfred Molina. I want you to. No, we we have. I don't think we've done this on the podcast. I, I might have just done it on my own. Okay, yeah, right, and like like because you and i are to some degree sometimes i think in each other's mind like uh, a little bit and you can probably anticipate i really because here's the thing is i've always like also thought similarly that like yeah alfred molina is a good actor can you pinpoint more than five roles where you're like this is fucking phenomenal this is a really good damn actor and like um, and and, and oh, not stretch it. I'm gonna just start okay from the beginning and work my way up. Um so I like him in Lady Hawk. Okay. I don't know why you don't like Lady Hawk. I don't, it's not that I don't like Lady Hawk. It's okay. He's yeah, he's 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 good and he's fine. It is not a good movie, but he's good in hideaway. Okay. Boogie Nights, good in that role, even though it's a brief role. Brief role, very pretty, not, pretty memorable role, though. Memorable, not not as yeah, I agree. I mean, not not as brief as uh, Magnolia, but yeah, he's good in Magnolia for, for well, 30, 30 seconds, <laughs> maybe forty five. Right. Um, he's good in Shock a lot, mm-hmm. and that that's actually like legitimately mm-hmm. a good movie. Mm-hmm. He's good in Frida, and Frida is legitimately a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good in Identity, but Identity is not necessarily a good movie. It's just okay. Yeah, he's actually so his best role I think is Chronicus. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that movie a lot. Yeah, you you made me watch that. And then um, back then, yeah. I think there are portions of his role as Doc Ock in um Spider Man Two where he does a good job, even though he's dealing with um some of the worst material ever i think that's what made me think of this is because i just don't i I just don't see where it's like everybody loves him and as doc ock after watching it a couple months ago like i just don't like it i like so here's what i like about it. we didn't really talk about this when we talked about this movie 
But um, I thought about it because I I do like him. Like I like his look. I like his I like his easy humanity when he's doing a role where he feels like a real person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing perfect about his. It's like watching Hackman act, and it, it's not an equivalent because Hackman is like far superior of an actor. Um, but like when you look at Gene Hackman, like even in the early seventies, Gene Hackman just looks like a dude. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't sure. look like a movie. <clears throat> like even like Eastwood in his rough times, like Eastwood still always looks like a movie star. Like Alfred Molina looks like a guy, and right. he looks like a guy that like you could see at you know Seven Eleven getting some taquitos or some shit. You know, like he's not right. Um, now I I think that scene with him and 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 fucking wet eyed um, McGuire, like where like they have like they're kind of heart to heart in the beginning. It's it's a really he does humanize that character, yeah, but like, like everything when, else in it is just like okay, fine. When they're eating, when they're eating dinner together, and huh? his wife is there, and he's like, yep, agree. They're debating like the philosophy of science. Like it's honestly the most like lived-in scene in that movie. Where Agreed. He feels like, like an actual professor who <clears throat> right. and scientist who is like talking like you know with that ego and grandstanding a little bit that's there like underneath the surface, but he's also a human being. Like I I, I agree. Like, it's a good scene. Um, I can't stand any of the fucking Dan Brown mm-hmm. movies, so those are going to be NAs for me. Um, he's actually fine in this movie. Like, he's probably the best part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's like just a ham, and he's just a <clears throat> chewing scenery or whatever. But I mean, whatever. Sorcerer's Apprentice is fine. Um. I may not have seen any of these movies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh Oh, he was a message from the king. What the fuck? Uh-huh. What he he's doing a whole bunch of um fucking the sands of time too, the same year in two thousand ten, yeah. Weird ass uh like uh-huh. religious movies. Uh-huh. That's strange. I wonder what that is. Um uh-huh. Gone. What is this? Is this a? Oh no, never mind. I saw this Troll Hunters movie. I thought it might be a sequel to the Norwegian Troll Hunters movie. Troll Hunter movie, but it's absolutely not. Um, no, that's it. Okay, how many did so, I get? Uh, four, maybe five. Um, okay, let's let's so, go five. Okay, um, I said more than five, but uh, so let me let, let me just say this is my point. Is like. I, I've also always been on this impression, oh, Alfred Molina's a really good actor, and I don't think I'm wrong. I think he's a good actor. Here's what I think Alfred Molina is, is Alfred Molina is a guy who ultimately is untested because he's a fucking big fish in a little pond constantly. And and his career has just become worse as he's become a big fish, I think, in a little pond in a lot of these things and taken on small roles. And he actually hasn't been tested against like like real actors a lot of times. Um, so he always seems better, maybe, than what he actually is. Isn't that kind of like the gimmick, though? Like that's that's a pretty that's a pretty good gig. I mean, is it a good gig? Like when you're like, I don't know, big fish always got something to eat. I don't know, like when you're when you're doing this movie that I've never watched, and you're like the fucking like 
eighth credited person in a fucking Bloomhouse movie, Don't Let Go, in 2019? Like, I mean, like, uh, that I never watched because I saw Bloomhouse was attached to it? Like, like come on. Like, I, uh, this guy is, I don't know. Um, he's apparently a fantastic um, stage actor, though. He, he's been in some really good perform, like, really good productions, or he's been in some notable... Oh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It's like, you know, when I when I was like looking through it here and like I saw him like, you know, I'm sure that role in True West he's really good in, um, you know, uh, him in the Cherry Orchard, I'm sure is probably really good. Fiddler on the Roof, I bet he's fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, like, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure like a lot of that, you know, I mean, I'm assuming The Father in 2020 is the movie that was just adapted with um, Anthony Hopkins. Um, uh, I don't know that for sure, but um, uh, he's not the lead role, I don't think. But um, but yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I just, I'm just saying, like his movie, either that or it, it's his movie choices is not good. It's a bad track record. So if the talent is really there, it's it it it's not showing through because who the fuck's seeing half of these movies? I'm just saying, like, I'm not all. Oh, he would be really good. He'd probably be really good in that role in Long Base Dream Night, too. Um, yeah, I can really see that. But like I said, I think he's a good actor. I just think it's like it's all overstated in some way by like a lot of people to think Alfred Molina is this amazing actor. But you look at his filmography and it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. It's bad filmography. Yeah, well, you know. And I and I I've just been like thinking about this like off and on like for like two months like because I saw Alpha Moon's name come up like two weeks ago and I was like <sighs> I just need to get that off my chest. Fuck Alpha Molina and his movie choices more more particularly. <laughs> I think the dude's better than what he does is what all I'm saying. Like he picks shitty things. So um couple weeks left now buddy that's it yeah we got what seven after this i think that's right i think so um yeah, i mean we yeah, all yeah. we all know what number seven is going to be so i guess the fucking mystery is what's now one through six yeah right, yeah, yeah to that the, point sure um and yeah i have no idea um so this does this finish off the 2010s i think i can't pull up that document right now but um i think it does I believe that's right yeah. I think I think you're done the 2010s now, um, which is fascinating. Um, like the whole reason you started this, really, I think, was the 2010s. Uh, was this idea that he had just become this guy who just started doing whatever the fuck? And so let's take a moment and just. I'm I'm positive this is right now with the 2010s. So. How do you view the 2010s in with Nick Cage? Like, uh, with more positivity than negativity, I think. Yeah, yeah. Only because, like, as bad as the early 2010s are, like, it really does like signal. He he comes out of it, I think, with a renewed appreciation for like actually doing good roles and being involved in things that he cares about. Because if you take it as a small sample size, I mean, I know that we're in the 2020s now, but look at the past, like, four years, you know, he's done 
right. Mandy, Pig, Mandy, um, Colorado Space, mm-hmm. um, a couple other things that I thought were were decent at least. And he's still, you know, he's he's, he's still going to earn that cash, but he's at least, sure. um, yeah, at least I, I, I think I think putting forth more of an effort. And even though I hated it, like I really think that he enjoyed. Um, like I think that he thought that that fucking terrible um what's it called uh well Wally's Wonderland movie mm. was gonna be um was gonna be better than what it was. So I don't know. I mean, you know let me let let, let me look at the two thousand tens. Uh so you have kick ass in two thousand ten, which I like. Right. Um, Drive Angry, which is not a good movie, but I thought was a lot of fun. Um, The Crudes, which I like. Frozen Ground, which I like. Joe, which I liked. Um, 2014, not a good year. Uh, 2015, not a good year. Then he does The Trust in 2016, and that was good. Um, Mom and Dad in 2017. Uh, Mandy, um, the Spider-Man movie, which we haven't talked about yet. That's 18. Um, Color Out of Space. God damn, such bad movies. Uh, Pig in 2021. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like probably like 30% are good, but eh, whatever. So you think it's like a, almost like a stoop to conquer type thing? Like where it's like, you think he had to like go low in order to like, find a spark again so all right let's look at 2019 right we'll just take that the last year of the 2010s okay so he does that love antosha which is a very personal thing for him about um anton yelchin or whatever his name is the guy that died sure um score to settle which is a direct-to-video where he's just making some money he's also executive producer then he does Color Out of Space, which I think is a passion project for him. Um, then Running with the Devil, which is, again, direct-to-video, Kill Chain direct-to-video, Primal, Grand Isle direct-to-video. So this is him just making money and making quick movies to earn cash. And then he doesn't have to do much in 2020 because it's just Jiu-Jitsu, which was awful, and the second Cruise movie, which was decent, um, which he only had to like sit there and record voice for. Mm-hmm. But then in 2021, he does Prisoners of the Ghostland, Willie's Wonderland, and Pig, which I honestly think are all things that he did, believed did, would be. Is Prisoners of Ghostland come out yet? Oh man, who knows? No. Okay. And I think he just wanted to work with that Scion Sono guy. Jesus Christ! Is this gonna get like it's gonna come out like suddenly like in like November, and we're gonna be back at the quick cage like two weeks after this ends? Oh no, dude. We got eight weeks left. What? When does it Prisoner, come out? Uh, it comes out on Friday. Oh, damn it. So, spoiler alert. November 9th now, we're finishing this shit up. This is never going to end with this motherfucker. Like, yeah, he, he, he ain't got much coming after this. Well, look, he has in 2022, we've already talked about on the podcast, he has the unbearable way to master talent where he plays himself, like a fictionalized version of himself, and then he has the retirement plan. But do you know that he also has two westerns that are being filmed back to back coming out? Do you know about that's this? Pretty, no, that's amazing. I see. I don't. I don't. 
this is the whole Sartre argument. Like, you don't learn about your idols. You know what I mean? Like, that, I don't. I don't need to know shit. I just need to be surprised when it happens. So he is playing. He has two movies coming out at some point in 2022 or 2023, I assume. Uh, one of them called The Old Way. It's a revenge story about a former gunslinger who gets back in the saddle with an unlikely partner, his 12-year-old daughter. Um, poor wording. But um, And then he's also doing an adaptation of a book called Butcher's Crossing, uh, where he plays a buffalo hunter in the open frontier. Um, they're doing film back-to-back. Um, Cage said, being born and raised in the West, this is another good match and long overdue. I'm excited and compelled by the complex characters of both Briggs and Miller, and to find new ground to play at 57 is indeed galvanizing. Mm-hmm. This dude grew up in fucking Long Beach. That's the West. <laughs> it's the Westest West you can get. If you were any more West, you'd be in the water. That should be on the t shirt. Copyright 2021 Frank Pelican. Fucking Nick Coppola. <sighs> um, so here's a fun game. What's that? How much do I pay on Friday night to watch this? To rent Prisoners of a Ghostland. 1999. No, actually, um, they're they're charging now. They're charging tax now. Um, on everything now. So, um, thanks Trump. But um, so it's going to be like twenty. I don't know what the tax would be. You probably have a better idea this than me, maybe. But it's like twenty one oh nine or something like that. It's no. It, it's it's going to be a fourteen ninety nine movie. What? No. Yeah, I'm calling it now. Not yeah. on first week. Not on first week. They're going to. Want- oh, they're always going to charge you twenty. What do you want to bet? Just a gentleman's wager. Sure. I'll take a picture of. Not it like we're going to the bar to bet for a drink or something like that. I mean, mm. <sighs> maybe in 2023. Um, maybe in late October we'll go see June. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we'll I, see. I would do that. We'll see what happens next couple weeks. So, Norm Macdonald died today. Oh yeah, that was sad. Yeah, and I don't know like what your affinity for Norm Macdonald was um, necessarily. I know pretty, that pretty yeah. high for a comedian. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, he was like, when I started watching Saturday Night Live, um, like, every week, like, he was my anchor um, on a weekend update. Like, I didn't start watching until he took over, really, like, and Dennis Miller was finished. And so he was my, he was my anchor, like, almost like, you know, who was your Doctor Who type thing. Like, he was yeah. my weekend update anchor. Um, and I was really, um, when I saw that, like my, my, uh, there was a little feeling in my stomach, like, ugh, like that's, that's not cool. Like, you know, um, and yeah, I think he was like a brilliant and underrated comedian, um, in a lot of ways. Uh, there's, there's jokes that he tells, like, that are up on YouTube and stuff like that, like, um, from either his, like, podcast or like you know on other people's podcasts and stuff like that that he'll like he was a guy that could extend a joke for seven minutes with like the like almost like the most like ridiculous horse punchline and still make the entire thing funny um which i always appreciate people that can do those kind of things to play me those um in the early days of us having uh the ability to watch video on our cell phones you would um play that stuff yeah um and because you were really, you were like super into him again in like 
seven or eight years ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, because really, there's a, you rediscovered yeah, there's your love. Yeah, because there's that like moth joke, like um, like the the moth goes to like the whatever it was podiatrist or dentist, and it's like talks about how like, how like suicidal he is and all that kind of stuff, and he like extends it out so long about all the problems with like the moth's life, and and the punchline is something along the lines of like you know well. Like I'm like a podiatrist. Like you need. It sounds like you need like a psychiatrist. Like why are you here? And he's like, well, your light was on. Um, and it's like the extent that he's. It's almost like the aristocrats, right? Like he extends the joke out so long, like to, and gives so much like detail complexity to like the character of this moth. Like and the punchline is like about a light. I mean, it's fucking absurd. Um, but it's like that's the kind of like humor, and then like the idea that you don't expect the joke coming when he was the weekend update anchor. Like, it's like where he would like start going one direction and it's like just turn it on you like immediately. And I know there was writers helping him, but like his, that style was something that he was good at doing. So they wrote for that style, I think, a lot of times, and I'm sure he like punched it up. Um, but forever, like I'll like think about like. Just how, you know, what was what was the McFoley phrase? Intestinal fortitude, uh, or test, testicular fortitude? Um, like just just how ballsy Norm Macdonald was in the '90s to make no bones about like what he thought about O.J. Simpson. Like right. that 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 like running gag of just constantly shitting on AJ Simpson for like killing Nicole and Ron um, is like it goes on for years after it's even news. Like he still keeps like going back to like the idea of him like you know and graphically like making jokes about like how he just like you know butchered them or slipped their throats or you know it's like um and for to, to do that on like you know a network television show or to make fun of the president of NBC openly, like, you know, so much like on that. It's just this comedian that just didn't give a fuck. And like, for whatever like opinions he might've held personally. And I don't know how much people actually knew what he thought personally. I always respect the guy for like, kind of like speaking to power and just speaking his mind, um, you know, throughout that whole period in the nineties. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. Like I, you know that I'm not much of a fan of comedy in general, but Norm Macdonald was the guy that I could laugh at. Um, cause I appreciate like the sardonic, um, dr- like drier than dry, like, you yeah. know, laconic delivery and yeah. With a smile on his face though, too. <laughs> right. You know, almost like a, like completely bemused, um, uh-huh. Sometimes like uh, am I actually saying what I'm saying, <laughs> or that, or like kind of, are you understanding what I'm saying? It doesn't even matter, right? So yeah, yeah, it's like he didn't really necessarily give a fuck. I think if you got the joke, like it's those those people that were going to get it were going to get it, and that's it. Like bemused is a really good word for him. Like that's always how he like seemed about life in general. He was just constantly like looking for the absurdity and like he was just constantly bemused by people's like thoughts and opinions and actions yeah. like yeah, the, at all times the absurdity of some of his things his trailing I, almost like how, how to put it like his 
laid back aggression to like the way that he delivered lines. Yeah. That trailing, like not, not pride, but just kind of, yeah, yeah, you're gonna laugh. Like these, like, like, kind of like, like the Rodney Dangerfield, like, oh, these are the jokes, folks, but in like the most subdued and unconcerned way possible. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so he was your, he was your anchor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Kevin Nealon is my, um, mm. my, uh, um, Saturday Night Live anchor. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know Pete, that. Yeah. Well, Pete Kevin Nealon was him with, um, cause this is like probably, 93 94 so it's a little before norm i think um so you know opera man um david spade uh like all those guys were regulars um on saturday night live at the time so it was all the the gimmicky guest spot stuff and then um kevin nealon almost like the exact opposite of norm mcdonald in a way because kevin nealon was like so anxious for you to get the joke like that he like was almost like rushing to get the joke out um sometimes so yeah yeah a good a good counterpoint between the two of them i think sure sure and i definitely um, watched saturday night live like during norm mcdonald's um run and for the longest time like that's just where i knew him from really um but yeah i really it's 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 one of those sad losses because it's so unexpected yeah because you didn't hear about it was kind of like last year with chadwick Bose where it's just mm-hmm. like yeah nobody shit. nobody knew what was happening yeah how is this dude dead like right. number one i was completely surprised that he was 61 years old because i would have guessed he was a little younger than that yeah um but just to find out that he's been battling cancer for 10 years and yeah i mean i guess it it fits in a lot of ways because he's you know like he was reserved in his sure his and, professional and, and, delivery. and honestly like that podcast like you know the was up on youtube as well i believe like you know it it made sense like when you started like realizing like like start seeing him like and it's like when i when he, when he became like kind of like started getting more airtime again on youtube in the past 10 years and you looked at him it's like now it kind of makes sense like why he looked the way that he looked and yeah it's it's it was the cancer um yeah but i did um, find i did find this one quote like this one joke that like i remembered <laughs> um this is like years i think after the 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 oj trial and his line was oj simpson was in a different kind of courtroom this week attempting to regain custody of his two children in order to prove to the court how much he loves his kids oj pointed out quote hey they're still alive aren't they (laughs) This motherfucker won after this dude so many years after, <laughs> like that trial, and um, ah, so good. Yeah, <laughs> was it on? Um, so we've had one episode of our alternate podcast. Was it on there that we were talking about the OJ Simpson thing? Did we uh... talk about the OJ Simpson trial on the Star Wars podcast? Obviously. That would that don't ever air. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't think we did. No, I don't think we talked about that. I think I think it's in the in our like sheet or something like. No, we talked about it on the on a pot on a Zoom call one night. We talked about it. Was that when it was? Yeah, it was a Zoom call one night. Yeah. One of one of my favorite OJ Simpson jokes ever. Um, it isn't really an OJ Simpson joke, but it's um. The Conan O'Brien episode from like right around when that happened. Okay. 
<clears throat> where um they show the footage of the white bronco chase but it's andy richter in the white bronco yeah and so, yeah. yeah he's um he's on the run because he's protesting susan lucci never winning a daytime <laughs> emmy <laughs> right right yeah that's good oh, that's that's like that's that's like one of those things where it's like um you had to be there at that time to like get that joke um yeah because like, what, what, what a what a what a obnoxious big media story was the idea that susan lucci just like kept getting denied daytime Emmys. <laughs> like but it was a big deal it was a big right. deal back then like yeah people talked about it every year like it's this year where susan lucci like <laughs> Who even fucking cares about the daytime Emmys? You know what I mean? Like, that's like the wackest show ever. But like people, they would be on like your point, like entertainment tonight. It's this year where Susan Lucci finally gets her recognition by winning a daytime. Cause she, she was, was she young and the restless or nah, she was bold um, and the beautiful or something. Nah, nah, she wasn't CBS. She was, um, I believe NBC. Um, nah, she wasn't NBC. No, um, NBC, NBC was NBC was Days of Our Lives and shit, right? ABC. She was ABC. Yeah, and all my children. Okay, that's why neither of us. Like, yeah, right. It was watching those goddamn ABC shows. That's why she never won a daytime Emmy because fuck ABC. So yeah, she was on a fucking ABC. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, yeah. Um, uh, whatever. I, I I saw her. I saw her clips because I watched daytime Emmys at one point in the nineties. Because what else did we have to do like during like? You know, the 80s and 90s or sometimes other than watch primetime television. You know that for several years during the Oscars, my ritual would be that I would play a whole game of Risk by myself um, as every color. Like I would play all five or six colors. I can't remember what's in Risk um, during the Oscars. So and I had in my Risk um, game box, I had a piece of paper with the results like first through last of every color and like when they went out and who beat them. I wonder if I still have that paper somewhere. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a good, like, um, it's a sad other. relic. Yeah, no, I, I also have a sad game relic that I've told you about before. Um, that I'm not going to talk about now because we're already going on a little long for the quick cage, but, um, at the same time, like that is, that is a great idea for an episode is like almost like sad childhood games <laughs> that like ways you used to entertain yourself in the eighties and nineties, like um, before like the internet existed and stuff like that kind of like, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good episode. I had a friend that used to play literally thousands of games of Yahtzee with himself a week. Hmm. That's yeah okay like he would just fill up entire cards where he wasn't like rolling multiple times he was just rolling against himself and he would see on the card like what could be his highest score and then he All would right. say like he had i like i'm holding up my fingers but it's about like like two and a half inches like thick worth of these cards that he had just gone through so that's uh we we we, we all over and shit right so. sure we all do yeah yeah yeah, I'm just not. I also want to talk about mine. Uh, so, all right, word. All right. Um, yeah. So, rest in peace, Norm Macdonald. Um, Turtle Tall. Rest in peace. <laughs> you look right. Yeah, your name. He's making. He's, he's 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 making the make too. I think. Yeah, 
I think so. It said it's in production, but it doesn't. Nobody cares to update the Turtle Tub uh, Wikipedia. So. <laughs> no, nobody cares about that. I did read about Chronicles of Narnia, as like you were talking, is that um, I was trying to figure out what happened to that franchise and why they didn't continue. And it was something along the lines of whoever had the rights to it lost the rights, so they didn't make the fourth film. But I don't believe that. I think that the third film actually didn't do that well in the box office um, domestically. And I think that hurt the merchandising cost of it, yeah. probably. And even though it did well overseas, um, I think it hurt the merchandising cost, and they said, fuck it. Um, but apparently they were going to do a Netflix show, um, and the the guy that was producing it like said like he had no update because Netflix had not contacted him in a while, and that was in May of 2020. So it's it's just <laughs> it's just some some dude living in a box down by the river that's got like these pages of script written on the back of like bark. Like, I, I'm waiting for Netflix to call me for my Narnia story. Right. Um. Yeah. I'm sure. Like that was like one a- one leg Sally in this fucking bag of meth. Right. <laughs> Take you in the wardrobe. <laughs> I'm sure that was like some sort of reaction to the Lord of the Rings Prime news, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to do Chronicles of Narnia then," and then like they're just like, oh, "That was an overreaction." Um, it's because you keep reading, it just gets just gets more racist and and more out of date. Like the more you go in deeper into those books, so it's like, how many seasons are you actually going to get out of them? So. Um, well, with Netflix, the most you ever get is three, so <laughs> right, right. No matter how popular the show is, they're gonna fucking yeah, cancel you after three. That's their yeah. model, yeah, unless you're Stranger Things, unless you're like an Uber hit, it's like, yeah, like they cancel you after three. All right, so fuck you, Turo Tall, fuck you, Netflix. Um, all right. fuck yeah, Friday. Prisoners of a ghost land. I'm so excited. This whole week has gotten better. <laughs> I'm glad you're excited. I genuinely, um, you're gonna hate that movie. I, I can almost, I'm gonna love it. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna like pretend you're gonna think that you like like it better than you do upon initial viewing because you have to justify in your mind spending the 2109 on it. bitch. Um, and then you're going to slowly like realize by next uh, Tuesday, like, eh, it's okay. it's okay. I might watch it twice. <laughs> I got 48 hours to watch it as many times as I want. So you do. Might be a, might be a prisoners of a ghost land weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully um, that'll be the episode next weekend. We'll just like push back all the movies you don't want to talk about. So hey, by a week. They're they're inevitable. Yes, yes. I, so a lot of these movies I haven't seen, so it's all uncharted territory, really. So it, it could be pretty good. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. Right, anything possible. Sure, including the end of this podcast. Finally, wrap it up. Deuces. <laughs>